Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and thanks for joining us and listening to this special episode of That Trippy Show. Today I'm joined by former governor of California, Jerry Brown. I've worked uh, with him quite a bit uh, before even the 1992 race for for president. Uh, Actually, uh, a lot of the early things I did to uh, help get small dollar money going in uh, our politics was with uh, Joe Costello and Governor Brown in the 1992 race where we introduced the 800 number as a way for uh, people on te- watching television to, to send money to candidates. Uh, I really uh, love working with him. Uh, this is going to be a, a conversation I'm looking forward to. I, I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to my conversation with Jerry Brown. Thanks for joining the show, Jerry. Uh, so the first thing I'd really like to get into is what have you been up to? How, how have you held up during the, the pandemic? Well, we're out here at um, our family ranch out in Northern California, where we've been for the last several months, uh, leaving rarely, mostly just to the store. Uh, so we're here. Uh, we have some visitors that come stay outside. Of course, we, I do a lot of Zoom calls with my California uh, China Institute for Climate Change. And uh, I do some work uh, with the uh, Oakland Military Institute, a college prep, uh, 6th grade through 12th uh, academy uh, in Oakland. So there are a lot of things going on, and I'm sure glad to be able to talk to you about uh, this national election. Jerry, why are we still in this thing, though? Where, where did Trump or the states get wrong? Or, you, you know, what's your take on, on, on what's happened here? We could have done better. Well, the original error was Trump... Uh, not taking it seriously. Now, I know Pence says the opposite and does Trump, but that really is a gross distortion, if not an outright lie. Uh, The truth is that when the evidence started uh, coming out from Wuhan, uh, the epidemiologists knew this was going to be serious. So by early, early February, there was time to move. And what the move that was required but never happened would be for the president uh, to take uh, national leadership, number one, invoke the War uh, Powers Act and mobilize American industry to make the test kits and other equipment needed. So there's never a shortage. The shortage of tests, tests that can be administered at the number required and that can be the results of which can get back in a matter of hours, that doesn't exist yet. And it may not, may not exist. Uh, for, for, for many months to come. If you can't test, uh, you have to quarantine 100%. If you could test, you would find out that only uh, 1% or a very small percent have uh, are infected. Then you quarantine those, but everybody else goes to work. Uh, Trump didn't do that. He sowed confusion instead of uh, national standards, and so we're in the mess we're in. And whether we can get out of it, uh, the virus seems to be uh, diminishing in many places, though not all. It's still a serious threat, and it requires a national mobilization, uh, which I think eventually we're going to get. Uh, but the deaths at the number that we're seeing and the infections, the illness, uh, the economic dislocation, all that goes right back to Trump. You can't uh, lock down a whole country without uh, radically 
depressing the economy. And that's what Trump did by his uh, incompetence, his fear, his uh, unwillingness uh, to challenge his base that uh, out of whatever belief system they have, I don't believe the science and are not concerned about the virus in the way normal people are. I seem to remember in the past you warned uh, that a pandemic could happen like this. And, uh, and these, I mean, we've got to be more prepared anyway, because this, this won't be the last one for sure. Yes. Uh, I've been briefed uh, by epidemiologists at Stanford, uh, brought to my attention first by uh, George Schultz. And uh, what is being said is that uh, the pandemic that we're in, that was something like that was to be expected and more to come. As the population grows, expands into regions, uh, making contact with animals that never had human contact, all that spreads. Um, and possibly for other reasons, uh, which I can't explain. But pandemics are, uh, are a possible threat, and we have to be able to uh, develop the uh, resources, the, the, the vaccines, the scientific uh, expertise, the surveillance, uh, the laboratories. We got to have all that ready. When you think of the uh, $740 billion defense budget, of which, I don't know, $60 billion goes to nuclear, uh, and now we're going to spend another trillion over the next 30 years on nuclear uh, modernization. Uh, all of that, we got an immediate threat in this pandemic and in others to come. So uh, there's a real misalignment of priorities, and uh, uh, certainly Trump, but I wouldn't even say uh, the Democrats in Congress have been uh, too prescient. It's pretty much day to day, whatever they read in the New York Times or the Post or whatever the polls tell them, that's the reaction. We need more longer term thinking. We, we all are being told about China and their. Uh, their ascent to, to being a, a great power in the world. Well, one of the things they do is take a very long-term perspective. Uh, they certainly snuffed out that virus uh, very effectively, uh, almost 100%. Well, we ought to take that into account and uh, develop our long-term thinking capacity so we can deal with things like the pandemic. Uh, Trump is just a gross example of other uh, uh, misunderstandings and blindness that uh, predominate in Washington. So, Terry, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit uh, in the past, but, you know, at the convention, uh, the Democratic convention in particular, um, Obama's speeches, all the other speeches seem to focus uh, a lot on the erosion of institutions and in in the democracy, um, it, you know, and the threat that Trump might is presenting uh, to the to our democracy the, the the chaos that's out there. Do you see that threat in the same way? Well, yeah, yeah. Trump Trump's a direct threat. First is lying. It's unbecoming of a president and his deviation from the norm of being a respected leader. It it, it very uh, you know it conjures up Mussolini. Uh, fascist charisma. It's not good for the democracy. And the fact that he has this cult following where people believe whatever he says, uh, whether it, it, it is dangerous and it, it, it evidences a lack of sobriety and uh, due deliberation on the part of political leadership. Uh, ever since McConnell and maybe before him, Ginrich started uh, Congress down a road of total uh, 
shut down the opposition, uh, democracy has been eroding. Democracy is not about one side winning by 1% of the vote and then shutting the other side out of 100% of the decisions. The only way this country can hang together is if there's a due respect for the uh, the non-winners, the, the minority in Congress. You have to have that balance or you alienate one side. And then when they get in power, uh, they push out the other side and it becomes a ricocheting uh, back and forth uh, with more hostility, more polarization, more anger, and uh, more instability. It's, it's almost like a car uh, that starts fishtailing. It's going to shift back and forth uh, uh, prior to going off the, off the road. And that's where the, uh, the, the vehicle of this state is. It's shifting, uh, fishtailing back and forth, oscillating, and it's got to be brought back uh, to a greater level of stability. And we can't do that with Trump, and we can't do it with McConnell. It's going to take a wiser uh, breed of politician uh, in the Republican Party, and the Democrats for that matter, too. Do you see uh, Biden and, and Kamala, one, being able to win? And, 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 the, and the bigger question I have, actually, um, given the decline uh, in, in Democratic institutions, can you put this back in the bottle? I mean, I mean, assuming they win, can they, can they bring the country together? How do you get out of that fishtailing, you know, the, the, the car swinging back and forth? Can they, do the two of them, you think, have the capacity to do that? Well, the problem is if they try to satisfy uh, the more intensive, if you, uh, I don't know if I want to use the word extreme, but uh, the, the, the more extensive demands made, if they try to go full bore on responding to that, then you're going to have the other side come. And you saw what happened to Clinton and Obama. Within two years, they lost uh, their majority in the Congress. So um, we're facing a real prospect a real dilemma here, that if you don't build the center, you can't govern. But if you build the center, you alienate uh, significant parts of your base uh, in either party. So we've got to find a way that a leaders can shut down the demagogues, can rise to a higher level of political discourse and persuasion such that we can uh, get on an even keel. It takes democratic imagination, it takes listening because a lot of you know, the inequities are real. Uh, the climate change threat is real. Uh, the police shootings are real. So we got to deal with those. But we have to win over um, the American people in a way that, that uh, diminishes uh, this polarization. And I'd say uh, just given where we are, uh, that's difficult to do because the world is changing. Uh, other powers are emerging. Uh, to reverse inequality would mean uh, taking money from the very wealthy. That's going to cause a lot of uh, backlash. They'll spend a lot of money to prevent that. So uh, to get uh, the, the path forward, uh, it's very challenging. If Trump's elected, uh, then you have one disaster. If Biden, if we get a Democrat, uh, in the form of Mr. Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, they really have their work cut out for them. And so uh, it's going to take solidarity and it's going to take some assist from the Republicans. But it's also going to assist on uh, building, uh, investing in, in, in jobs and in infrastructure, in, um, 
you know, in a conservation core and a job core, as well as high speed rail and, and uh, alternative energy and, and renewables and conservation and retrofitting our buildings and, and all of that stuff. It's going to take a new deal. It's going to take great mobilization at a time when the politics is very, uh, very uncertain, uh, very uh, chaotic, and uh, uh, strong majorities uh, are, are not obvious. So, yeah, this is going to take a, a very imaginative uh, uh, Biden, but it's going to take uh, a lot of collaboration of the Congress and the part of the Republican leadership as well. You know, one of the things I've been always wanted to ask you uh, since this cycle started was we when you ran in 2010 after, you know, eight years of Arnold. And if this isn't a fair question, it's not fair to put Arnold and May Whitman in the same uh, ball of wax with Donald Trump at all. The new thing they wanted was stable leadership, comfortable, somebody that uh, understood how to legislate and get things done. Do you do you see any parallels at all? Yeah, look, Joe. Joe is stable. He's been around the block. He, he certainly is someone that you would expect uh, to move in a measured, prudent way. Uh, the problem is on the right, on the Republican side, on the Trump side, you have all this anger, uh, whether it's uh, based on abortion or gay rights or uh, America's changing place in the world with the emergence of Putin and, and Xi in China and, and Iran and other places, Middle East chaos. Uh, as the world becomes such that it becomes harder for stability. In California, stability uh, definitely prevailed. And I, I promise that. And I believe in large measure I delivered that. But are we in an analogous situation to Weimar Germany, when there were hundreds of thousands, we're not in that bad yet, but the brown shirts, uh, the Nazi uh, bullies out on the street were fighting with Bolsheviks, with Marxists, communists, uh, radical socialists, and they actually would kill, they'd get in fistfights. And it got a lot of turmoil and people wanted stability. And the stability, uh, the, the leader, Von Hindenburg, the president, very conservative, he couldn't abide uh, having social Democrats uh, in the parliamentary majority. And some of the conservative uh, industrialists, they couldn't abide the wage demands that the social Democrats wanted, uh, certain welfare legislation they wanted for the working guys, in uh, working folks in, in Germany. So they said, well, we'll take Hitler. So their angst, their fear and loathing of what they saw as disruption to their way of life was strong enough that they said, let's go with Hitler. Now we have a not as powerful, uh, I certainly hope, uh, but a reaction uh, to the instability that people perceive, the change in their norms, what they grew up in, the leave it to beaver, middle class, uh, white uh, life that they're now calling whiteness, um, and they're saying, my God, uh, that's me. Uh, I got to stop that. Trump is the bomb thrower. He'll fight these powerful forces. On the other side, you have Black Lives Matter. that They're seeing police uh, shoot uh, black people. You're seeing the uh, poor performance in school, the, the inequity in income, uh, the inequity in the spread of the coronavirus, the disproportion of all that. So uh, people on, on the other side, 
on the on the Democratic side, they're upset. Uh, fewer and fewer people just want uh, the kind of political leader that America's enjoyed for most of its history. So that's that's the uh, uh, the challenge and the danger where we are now. Just being prudent and stable may not cut it, either on the left or on the right. So that's why I say, uh, I think Biden can win. I hope he can win. But even after winning, uh, it, it's going to take not only skill and imagination uh, and a certain moral force, it's going to take luck. It's going to take luck on on how the rest of the world, what hand we're dealt with uh, in terms of external factors. So I can certainly envision a set of circumstances where things get a hell of a lot worse. And I can give you one, that if we don't deal with climate change, that uh, the fires we're having, the fires aren't that far from where I'm talking right now. And we haven't even gotten into fire. Real fire season is mid-September and October. And we're not there yet. Look at these fires and the intensity of the hurricane and the flooding in uh, uh, New York City. So, look, that is all going to make politics more difficult. Looking for scapegoats, uh, costing money, uh, pushing taxes up. All that is going to make the environment for demagogues even more inviting. So, uh, look, we can salvage this thing. Uh, we, We can save the day. But it's going to take everything going our way and a fair amount of good fortune. That led to I was going to ask you, what are the two or three things that you desperately, you know, urgency think we need to start addressing that we're not climate change? Obviously, one of them. I know you've worked really and are working very hard on that. All right. Let me just say something about climate change. That's not going to affect uh, a coal miner out of work in West Virginia or uh, somebody in the Rust Belt states of of Ohio and Pennsylvania, parts of Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, that, that uh, have seen their union jobs, their high wages uh, disappear, and now their security guards are, are working for uh, McDonald's or something. Uh, that person feels their life has changed. And it's changed because America has been able to dominate the world. You know, we're only 4.1 or 4.2% of the population of the world. And we're using 25% of the energy. Uh, we enjoy uh, uh, use of resources. Uh, it's incredible. Now you have other people coming up, China being the obvious, but there are many other countries that are now uh, vying uh, for prominence in the world. And that has uh, created uh, this trade imbalance. I get a couple of walking sticks so I can climb the mountains. Walking sticks, they're not that complicated. Made in China. So uh, America has has, uh, taken advantage. I understand why, because the Chinese can produce it cheaper and you can put it on a ship and bring it over here and you make more profit. And the guys who run these multinational, international companies, they make a hell of a lot of money. But there are so many uh, Americans who don't. And if you go through Northern California, you get on I-5 or just one, one interstate five, and you go look at Williams, Calusa, Willows, Red Bluff, all the way up uh, to the uh, Oregon border, and you see empty storefronts. And the same is true all over America. Well, bringing back vitality uh, will take enormous investment, and we got to get that money from somebody. And it can't all just be for the rich, although they got to give up a lot. So making things work uh, 
is not easy. And that's why scapegoating is so much easier. Blame, uh, demagoguery is much cheaper, much quicker, much easier. But actually, helping people with their lives, that is going to take real investment uh, in our schools, uh, having a, a healthcare system that really works for everybody, all of that. It, um, it takes a lot. And I don't know whether we've hit bottom enough that people are willing uh, to accept the changes. Because no matter what, things are going to change. Either they're going to change in a wise uh, way going forward that'll make everything better, or we go to the dark side and demagoguery and Trump and beyond, and things get worse that way. Either way, uh, we are at real crossroads, and a lot is riding on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So look, I'm going to admit to uh, trying to encourage you to run uh, this time, uh, but you always rejected that, not because you were too old, but because you thought you might not be liberal enough uh, in today's politics. Uh, but do you see yourself serving again or, or helping Joe Biden on these issues? Well, I'd be glad. I'd be, look, I'm working on three things. I'm working as chairman of the Bullet of Atomic Scientists. I'm working on uh, research and spreading information about the dangers, not that the Russians will intentionally attack us, but that our own systems, both in Russia and the United States, will fail. And there'll be a false alert and we'll have a war based on a mistake. That has happened. That has almost happened five times in the last, since the Cold War. Uh, so that's that's really dangerous. And almost nobody is paying attention. Bill Perry, George Shultz, Sam Nunn, and full of other people. But most, uh, you can't even do this. I wanted to put in an op-ed opinion piece. The Washington Post wouldn't take it. It's not an issue. Uh, news of the day. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, well, I want to get into my little op-eds, but uh, so that nuclear is a big deal. And then you have all this inequity and uh, uh, downward social mobility, uh, not to mention the need for upward social mobility. We really have to get at the domestic agenda. We need a Rooseveltian uh, uh, moment, effort, imagination, uh, initiative. And that is going to be very hard to come by because uh, politicians are wary. And we're divided. So uh, would, would I like to do something? Sure, I got some ideas. Uh, I, I, I could do it. But 7 in the morning, I'm barely waking up. It's 10 o'clock. NBC, ABC, the po everybody's doing it. The world has already happened. So Californians have a hard time unless they get made vice president like Richard Nixon or uh, Kamala Harris. So there it is. I'm available, but uh, I don't think my phone is going to ring. I hope it does. I really do. Uh, Alex, you got anything? Yeah. Governor, I was wondering, as someone who's worked really closely with Kamala Harris, what's something that, that kind of everybody should know about her? What's she like? Well, I don't know. What should you know about me or, or Biden? Uh, I don't know. There's one thing. Uh, look, she's smart. She's had a, a good preparation uh, as a, a prosecutor. The district attorney's office, as the elected DA, good, poli good political experience. I swore her in um, on January 8th, same day my father was sworn in as DA in the same office in the same city hall, 1943, which, by the way, I attended when I was five. Um, but Kamala, uh, she's intelligent. 
She's been attorney general. She's been senator. She grilled uh, some of those uh, uh, appointees that were before her committee. So I would say she's uh, has a pr- well-rounded background. She has the intelligence. She has the grace. So she has all the qualities that are going to be needed in the campaign and for vice president. You know, one thing you said earlier that Joe and I were actually talking about a little bit this morning was looking at climate change specifically. How can we as a, as a party do a better job winning on climate change politically? Well, you got to turn it into the jobs program. Uh, that's what Biden talks about. Uh, unfortunately, climate change stands on its own merit. If people are not persuaded that uh, generating massive billions of tons uh, every year that stay in the atmosphere for hundreds of years, if they don't think that changes the weather, then it's pretty hard to convince them to spend money uh, to reverse that. And one thing that is is very powerful, uh, the weather. You know, here, the last few days, it's been very smoky. In fact, by the, the measurement, it's very unhealthy air. You're not supposed to go out, certainly not exercise. Well, can you change that? You know, uh, Biden, Trump, go change that. No, you can't change it. The weather encompasses us. So when the heat goes up, when the uh, tropical diseases come our way, when the flooding, instead of snowpack, it melts early and we have massive flooding. There's nothing we're going to do except build our way out like they did after Katrina. It'd be much easier to prevent it. Look, so all I'm saying is the problem is real, but it's not real uh, to a huge number of American citizens. So given all that, you got to make it real and then you got to link it to jobs, income and improving and securing our way of life. And I think with the hurricane, with the fires, the flooding, uh, that's affecting a lot of people, maybe 100 million people uh, throughout a year. So there's a lot to be done. But you got interest, you got gas, you have uh, at least 25 Democrat congressmen uh, represent districts where there's coal mining. How are you going to shut that off? Well, you got to have to take care of those people. That costs money. Uh, we got in the world has a billion automobiles and it's growing. All those automobiles got to be replaced with electric or hydrogen cars. This thing is monumental. And yes, are we going to let it get worse? Yep. And then it's going to be much, much more expensive. How we can deal with that? Well, the president certainly ought to do everything he can to try. So, Governor, what do you make of of all these athletes making their voices heard on social issues now? Well, one thing, uh, the bedrock fact is that Many, many millions of African-Americans feel very aggrieved. The historical reality of slavery, followed by Jim Crow, followed by discrimination, followed now uh, by these police shootings, that's having an enormous impact, a real impact. Okay, so the athletes feel, well, they can send the message out to wake up the country. So that's what they're doing. so it is a very powerful moment that's going on. And I think that uh, is a very uh, effective way to communicate. Now, when you get to this business of the protests that then are taken over by the guy, by the people who like to break windows and loot stores and uh, throw firebombs and uh, torch like the, Oak, uh, the courthouse in Oakland and police station in Wisconsin, that's all bad. 
And uh, uh, Biden and the Democrats have to shut that down. And I can tell you, mayor of Oakland, living in Oakland, watching these guys, talking to some of them, there are people who who are going to loot. I'm not going to try to analyze their motives. Or what, is it ideology? Are they just ordinary uh, thieves and criminals? Whatever the hell they are, I'm telling you, I've seen them. There are people who, uh, when you have a protest, take advantage and they break stuff and they cause a lot of trouble. And people don't like that. And if the Democrats can't take care of it, people are going to vote for Trump to take care of it. So it's absolutely imperative to separate and distinguish the people that are doing uh, breaking the law and, and stop them. You can't just condemn them. Uh, that mayor of Kenosha, get out, out of the office and stop the damn thing. Uh, but I have to say, Kenosha, Oakland, uh, one of the protests a couple of weeks ago, they lit the fire of an historic uh, courthouse right on Lake Merritt. So uh, this is not the majority. It's a tiny, look, people going to the protests are a significant but small group. The people who are doing the looting and the breaking the windows and the starting of fires, they're a tiny group. But fire is very visible. It's very noticeable. Looting somebody, uh, these are relatively small uh, store owners, not always, but their lives uh, get totally uh, up, up, upturned. They're turned over and upset and they're hurt. So Democrats have got to stand uh, for the protection of people. And they got to say it with, with vehemence and not this, I understand the causes. No, there are no causes for this. Looting, uh, I understand the ideology. As Lenin said, property is theft. Well, if property is theft, then go in and help yourself to somebody else's property. Okay, that's not the American belief system. But it is a belief system of how many? 10,000, 25,000, 500. Doesn't take very many. So you got to shut that down, even in the midst uh, of this protest movement which is very legitimate. One thing you just said that kind of hit a chord with me was a lot of people you look around right now, they're saying that this moment in history with the protests, with the election, with Trump, everything is unprecedented. Have you seen a moment like this before? What would you say to that? Well, I don't know. During the Vietnam War, we had bigger bigger rallies. You had guys killed. Uh, we had Kent State. Uh, you had that professor killed, uh, I think, in his laboratory in in, uh, was, I think it was in Wisconsin. So yeah, you had a lot, you had a computer blown up at Fresno State. Uh, there's a lot of violence there. Uh, and there's a lot of reaction on the part of the police. So, but this does seem a little bit different. That was local. I mean, local in the sense of focusing on an issue. Vietnam War, bad. Stop it, then things will be better. This is more diffuse. This is raising a question about the very, uh, basis and contemporary pattern of American social life. And this is a lot more difficult and challenging to deal with, more deeply embedded. Uh, and so it, it, I'd say in that sense, it's more unique and, and very, very challenging to deal with. So, Jerry, do you have anything you else that you want to address or, or talk about that we haven't asked you? No, I think we've I think we've covered it. I don't, I don't want any more problems to talk about. <laughs> That's enough. I've laid out a, a challenge and an agenda that will take everything Biden has and Harris 
and Pelosi and Schumer and everybody else. They could sit in the room and get the smartest people in the world and listen and come up with a game plan. And it would still be difficult, but they're not going to do any of that. So it's even more difficult. That would be my final statement. But I'm hopeful. I'm ready. I'm voting the Democratic ticket. And I think we can. Uh, it's certainly better. Now, after I've said how difficult that is, let me just say, if Trump's elected, wow, maybe a war. Uh, climate change is going to become much more expensive and in some sense, not irreversible because you can always change it, but at the cost of trillions and lots of turmoil, lots of migration at the border. Every problem I've just said is compounded and the polarization is intensified. So for no other reason, but stopping Trump is a major good. The, the avoidance of the bad of Trump is one of the best goods that we could ever create. So we don't even have to get to the merits of Biden, of which, which are considerable. That's a, a very positive, uh, what the Democrats have as, a, as what they can do. But I would say you don't even need to look at that. You must stop the lying, unpredictable, uh, abnormal being in presence of Donald Trump. And this election is serious. So anybody listening better get out and vote and get a few more people to vote with him. Yeah, I've been uh, saying for uh, a few months now, this is chaos versus community and hope that the American people choose community over more of the chaos uh, so that we can get on with addressing a lot of these issues that are that are just uh, getting bigger and bigger and the hurdles and challenges are getting stronger. So thanks a lot for for being with us on the uh, on the podcast, Jerry, I really appreciate it and uh, and miss you. Want to get out to the ranch? Get out here. We're we we're accepting visitors outside. <laughs> okay. okay. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Jerry Brown. If you like the show, please tell your friends and don't forget to leave us a five star review on iTunes along with a question for me if you have one. We're back to our usual Friday show next. So Alex and I will see you then. And Alex, he was pretty sharp on this show. I, I thought he did a good job of being as sharp as possible. See you on Friday.